Welcome to the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influtive, where we talk with customer-obsessed people to uncover how you can be more customer-focused. I'm your host, Dan Kalma. Today, I'm joined by Kevin Lau. Kevin is a Senior Director of Global Customer Engagement at F5, where he's responsible for customer experience, voice of the customer, customer marketing and advocacy, retention marketing, and customer communications. Kevin has received numerous awards and industry accolades, including being featured in Fluidive's Fearless 50, the CMA's Top 25 Customer Marketing and Advocacy Influencers, and he's also been named Advocate Marketer of the Year. Top of that, he's won awards for Advocate Marketing Program of the Year and Best in Class Customer Advocacy Program, just to name a few awards. Previously, Kevin worked for organizations like Adobe, NetBase Quid, AOL, Google, and YouTube. In this episode, Kevin and I talk about something that's been on every company's mind for the past couple of years, retention. We often think of retention as solely the responsibility of CS. After all, isn't that their whole job? But with how vital retention can be, it shouldn't fall on the shoulders of just one team. And more than that, other parts of the organization, like marketing, can play a major role in helping. In this episode, Kevin and I dive into why he believes marketing can help CS, why onboarding is a key part of retention, and how to determine the proper swim lanes when you have multiple teams involved in ensuring your customers are successful. Kevin, welcome to the All About the Customer podcast. Amazing to have you here. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Great opportunity just to chat about um, all things retention. So that that is the topic of today, and and retention is something that has, I think in particular, been on people's minds over the last, I don't know, year and a half, two years. Uh, I think retention is something we should always be focusing on, but I think in particular, whenever there's a, a recession or a fear of a recession, all of a sudden people are like, oh, wait, we have customers. We should probably try to retain them. You have this really interesting uh, approach to retention and how you think about it. You say that you believe retention is a team sport. Uh, what, what do you mean by that? You know, if we really go back to what is the point of retention, it's really thinking about how can you make the customer be successful right out of the gate. So if they've just bought, and we're, we're taking the stance of if you're a SaaS company, company, you know, if they just bought your software, your service, you know, they got access to the logins, like what do they do next? And typically requires multiple stakeholders, multiple teams to help ensure that customer has a successful onboarding. So typically it falls on the hands of customer success and maybe support. But then I think marketing also plays a big role in this is like, how do you tr- provide that additional air cover, especially when a CSM might be overtaxed with, you know, way too many accounts that they have to personally manage. And so we, there is a lot of coordination that goes into creating the ideal onboarding or customer experience, right? So that's ultimately why I think retention is such a key thing that requires multiple teams and it is a, a team sport there. So why, I think it begs the question of like, why haven't we always thought of retention this way? And maybe somebody like you has, but I think for so long, retention has just, it, I think it's just been like a, everybody has their own job to play, right? Like marketing brings them in the door. We pass them off to sales who sells them. And then we pass it off to CS and that's just CS's job is to retain them. Why has that always been the way to do things instead of thinking about it as more of this team sport? Yeah. And I think you just, you alluded to the fact of just, most marketing organizations or even just most companies, their focus is really just getting acquisition, new logos in the door, and they want to be able to showcase that to their investors, to the street, that you know, new new customers are you know, becoming a client. Um, and that's typically been the model for probably the past 30, 30 plus years within B2B. 
Um, and I think a lot of our seasoned executives, whether you're a CMO, CEO of a company, that's been the playbook that you followed. It's like revenue generation is the key to success. But I think sometimes they also forget that retention is part of revenue. Um, and typically, if you're in a SaaS business, recurring revenue, whether it's um, some from a subscription or professional services or something, that sometimes ultimately makes up like three fourths of the the revenue of a company. Um, I mean, that was the case at Adobe. You know, we had relied very heavily on our install base and the customers that were paying a subscription, whether they were on a three to five year plan. Um, you want to make sure that those customers are happy and satisfied because if you lose that revenue, you got to make up for it later. Um, and so it's I think it's a fundamental shift in strategy and, and putting more focus on retention as a, a key focus area. I think everything that's going on with the pandemic, you know, over the past couple of years, downward economy, people are starting to think a little bit more closely on how can they invest retention and do programmatic things that actually will influence it versus just always thinking about acquisition as the only thing that uh, a company can do. Um, and it provides that additional support to all the teams that really care about, you know, the post-sale journey. Um, and I think that's sort of a new shift that's happening just in the past probably 12 to 18 months. And my fear is that it is a shift that is happening because of the pandemic. And then five years from now, we're going to go back to, oh, let's let's only focus on new logos. Like, do you, do you feel like this shift of thinking a lot more about retaining existing customers is here to stay? Or do you feel like this is just a reactionary thing and we're going to go back to the old ways? You know, it's it's an interesting question. I think the ultimately, if there's enough people that weigh in and, and talk about retention as being such a key focus area, um, I think even just customer success as a as a discipline that is a relatively new industry. If you think of it compared to sales, account management, support representatives, and so I think it's like as more people have exposure and experience running retention programs or leading teams that are focused on retention. They'll start to get that mind share that'll start to bubble up. It's I think it's never going to be quite equal to, you know, the demand gen teams of the world that are focused solely on pipeline and revenue generation. But I think retention needs to be and really have a seat at the table. So whether it rolls up to a chief customer officer or someone within chief experience officer or something like that, I think that's starting to see that shift, which will ultimately I think make it a, a bigger priority for company, especially for a CEO, if they think about things like customer satisfaction, NPS, all the other levers that focus on the health of the, the customer and the business. And so I, I do eventually want to get into more tactically what, what this looks like and what you've done at F5 and you know maybe previous companies. But before we get to that, even just setting things up, we, we talk about this being a team sport and all these different teams needing to come together. And you mentioned how CS is, is often very overtaxed and they have so many uh, customers to look after. But I feel like it's also not just a bandwidth thing. It's also a you know skill set, right? Like CS does certain things, sales can do certain things, marketing can bring certain things to the table. When we look at this as a team sport, why do you feel like marketing is such an important part of that team? Like what, what kind of skill sets does marketing typically have that they can bring to the table in this retention conversation? Yeah, I mean, if we think about just, you know, the discipline of marketing, largely like I said earlier, it, it tends to focus on these demand gen motions. So when you think about a campaign or a program you're running, you know, there's a couple levers that you typically can pull on. You know, one is optimize your website making sure that you have the right keywords, the optimization, the right type of content to drive people to your, your funnel um, and get exposure to your company, your brand. 
But I think if you think about the discipline that's required for writing retention progress and plays, there's different channels you could leverage, whether it's email, and that's typically something that sits within marketing, whether you're doing one-to-many type of scalable programs. Marketing has the ability to run specific plays on behalf of the customer success team or support, et cetera. And so they can provide that additional air cover and that support, but also from an event perspective, you know, for running, you know, workshops or retention user groups or something, that's another thing that is typically outside of the the remit of a, a CS team. You know, most CS teams are focused so much on how do I make sure the customer is successful with their onboarding and the account management so they know who do they go to for support, how do they drive that next uh, the next engagement so they're adopting the platform. And adoption is typically not something that is really owned by marketing necessarily. And so I think that's where there's identified, you know, which swim lane makes sense. Marketing can help that CS team scale, can drive more air cover, can help with the nurturing, can do all these things on the back end while making sure that CS team is successful uh, with their customer. And one one thing you talked about there was onboarding. And when you and I were chatting about this previously, you talked about how important the onboarding experience can be when it comes to retention. Uh, and I actually had Donna Weber, who's you know the queen of onboarding, uh, literally wrote the book on onboarding uh, on on the show, and she talked about that at great length. But love to get your thoughts on it because you had this really interesting idea that when it comes to our customers, you really often only have like 30 or 60 days to get them to like mentally buy into investing in this. Like, can you talk a little bit about that and why you think onboarding ultimately is kind of the the leading, often the leading indicator of retention? Yeah. And I, I mean, in the context of this conversation too, it's all about the customer. If you think about any product you may have bought, whether as a consumer or in the B2B space, typically you probably can point back to what was your onboarding experience when you first got access to your service, your subscription or whatever. And oftentimes, like if the customer or the, you're the end user, if you have no idea how to use your product successfully, the likelihood that you're going to want to renew that subscription, you know, six to 12 months from now, probably diminishes after those 90 day, that 90 day period, right? Like the customer, the consumer has a choice, you know, do they like the service that you're providing? Um, are they able to get an answer back on a escalation or a support case situation, right? And so if they've had a bad experience right off the bat and they can't even tell, like, what are the, the top 10 things I need to know and do successfully um, as part of that onboarding experience, then, you know, they've already created a, a situation in their mind that, you know, they made an opinion on, you know, is your product actually going to help you or can they go to something else? And I think the... Ultimately, at the end of the day, there's so many different competitors out there that do something similar to what you already do. Consumers and, and the end user has a lot of choice now. Um, and so be, being able to simply just cancel an agreement, you know, because you're unsatisfied or unhappy is very easy, right? So, you know, the barrier of entry is so low within SaaS that you have an obligation to really think about how do you create that ideal experience? And we're not even talking about anything crazy here. I mean, it's just basics like... If you're a new customer, is there like a welcome kit that introduces your CSM or your support team or where to go for an escalation, especially if you're paying for like a premium support type of subscription, right? So these are all things that I think now should be table stakes, but sometimes unless you're actually embedded in the onboarding experience and really go through it from the customer's point of view and get feedback on how you can make that improvement, sometimes it completely gets lost in the shuffle and and teams forget about it. 
Like I mentioned, if you want to dive deeper into the topic of onboarding, check out episode 8 of the podcast with onboarding expert Donna Weber. You know, Kevin's right. Our customers decide very quickly how much time, money, and effort they're willing to invest in making sure they're successful with our products. A successful or unsuccessful onboarding experience is a leading indicator of how likely they are to renew. That's why it's even more important for onboarding to be all hands on deck. Yeah, I mean, I even when we were going through, you know, actively, you know, buying subscriptions right now for certain companies, and you know, I think sometimes the the vendors they take it for granted, especially if you're on a two to three year agreement. They don't even check in with you over those twenty four months when you're still going through the process. And so I think they just kind of expect because you're on that agreement, they're getting revenue that there's no expectation on their side to do any other fulfillment. Like they just kind of assume the customer is happy. But I think typically that's usually when there is a red flag, when there is complete silence, they're not asking you things. They're not finding out like, how do I do more with your product, your solution, or how can I get to that next level and, and think about the, the integrations with other technologies and systems like, you know, they might be doing evaluation with your competitor. Who knows? So I think having that sort of pulse on what the customer is thinking, especially not just at onboarding, but that whole own side of the journey up until when a renewal conversation does happen is pretty critical. And it's fine if you don't have an example of this. I'm putting you on the spot here. But any any examples come to mind of like people who've done really good onboarding that you've been a part of where you're like early on, you're invested. You're like, wow, this is I've, I've seen value early. I want to make the mental and often monetary investments in this. Anything come to mind? You know, actually, Influtive has been a great you know customer. You know, I've used the platform multiple times over my career, um, and I think they harp on very intimately they think about just sort of the onboarding experience and like who's your success coach even how you position the people that are helping you with the implementation i think is critical because like it it points it points out sort of like the key things that this company cares about and making sure that the client is successful in, the, in a certain situation whether it's through the implementation process integrations etc i think ultimately sometimes we don't think about it enough is just how companies treat their employees as well as treating their, you know, their clients. Um, and I think, you know, another great example is, you know, user evidence. They, you know, we rolled out that platform relatively recently too. Evan was also really great as part of the whole negotiations of the agreement. And it's not always just about like selling them something that's expensive, right? It's like, what's the right fit for you and your transformation at this moment? Because I think ultimately, even if it's a small size deal, how you think about that expansion over time, I think is the other key thing that oftentimes gets lost. It's always maybe a seller is trying to sell something and just get the biggest package. But then if the customer is not really using all the, you know, the bells and whistles, then ultimately what's the point if they're just going to churn, you know, 12 months from now. Yeah. And that, that's such an important part of this being a team sport is the role that sales has to play, right? Like we've, we've all seen those salespeople where unfortunately they're incentivized to just sell the biggest package possible. So that's what they do. But when you're trying to set things up for success, like when you look at, did this customer renew? It's like, well, were they set up for success to begin with? Right. Did you not oversell them? Did you think long-term about this? Of like, Hey, sometimes maybe it makes sense to do something smaller and, and grow into it. Maybe it makes sense to start with this particular use case. So I think it's such a great example of how sales has a very important part to play in this. Cause they're, they're really the people who drive all of this and often can, you know, set things up for success or failure at the very start of yeah, this. Totally. I, I'd love to learn what this, 
can look like when it's when it's done really well. And it sounds like at F5, you're really starting to try to codify these processes and think about what good onboarding can look like, what good retention can look like, and how you bring all these different teams uh, together. So can, can you tell me about how you're starting to think about retention at F5? Yeah, so I, I look at it as sort of like building up this flywheel. So just as they, we mentioned, there's certain mechanisms that you pull on to drive lead generation, you know, like paid media, running uh, events, etc. I think retention is also something, since we're talking to customer marketers specifically on this call, our job is primarily think of it as sort of the orchestrator of if you look at the customer journey from discover, try, buy, all the way through advocate, right? Like we don't necessarily own onboarding or own the renewal conversation, but I think we play a part in bringing the different stakeholder teams together to think about this holistically across the journey um, and really being able to be that quarterback that says, you know, during this, you know, onboarding phrase, right when the customer is getting their login and details, what is that ideal experience that you want to create for them? Um, and I think it also even goes back to how do you make sure that if they're going through a trial experience, making sure you're creating that on-ramp for them to becoming a paid customer. And so the, the sales and to customer success handoff process is also something that sometimes gets completely muddied. Um, and so making that clean handoff process, so really establishing sort of like, you know, maybe it's even just a basic conversation you're having with the customer saying like, hey, I'm your sales rep. Here is the person that's going to help you be successful through the implementation phase and passing them off so that there's a successful handoff process and having that documented. I think what we started to start doing in partnership with the CS team is actually starting to build out sort of this welcome toolkit. You know, what are the top 10 things that you as a customer needs to understand within your first 30, 60 days, right? Like, doesn't have to be super overtaxing, but some of the basics, right? So we talked a little about like understanding who is your go to your point of contact at F5, whether it's your CSM, your support representative, where to get an escalation, you know, taking care of and addressed. Um, so those sort of basics, you know, what are the things that they need to do from a integration implementation standpoint and chunk it out into sort of like key steps and takeaways. I think it's almost like we try to approach it as, you know, giving the customer homework, you know, like it doesn't have to be all this huge thing that you do in like one day, but how do you start to chunk it out over the course of, you know, month, two months, especially if the expectation is they want to have a fast implementation so they can start to use your product immediately and get value. So think about what are those key milestones that the customer should know? And then how do you constantly nurture them, especially if that account, maybe they might be hiring new people that are going to be operators for your product, you know, so making sure that they have the right resources. So this is where, you know, retention is sort of a, it's a multi-channel approach, right? So there's email as one conduit. It's thinking about like, how do you nurture that relationship? How do you keep them on track? So that while the customer success team is engaging with them, they have reminders that come up uh, periodically. And then there's some other things you can go to with in-product messaging and, you know, other types of webinars and you know, workshops, et cetera. But we can get into all that too. Yeah. And so what is this, look like when you're starting to build this out with the CS team? Like, are you just sitting down? Because I, I think this is a, a perfect example of, you know, different people can bring different stuff to the table, right? I think marketing is, can be amazing at copywriting and building decks and, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, form this is going to look like, like we're often content people. Um, but obviously CS 
really understands these customers because they work so closely with them. They understand what leads to success. Like, how are you having these conversations and then figuring out that delineation of duties, I guess, specifically within the context of this welcome kit? Yeah. So what we did was, you know, I, I like to just whiteboard things out on the board, honestly. So just get everyone in the room together that has a stake in the ground on why onboarding is important or why a certain moment in time within the journey is important. And then just carve it out. Like I think every team is is overtaxed and there's not enough resources. So there's plenty of work to go around. But ultimately, if you go back to the functions, what is each team primarily responsible for? I think we could say customer success, they're responsible for customer adoption, they're responsible for successful onboarding, and also making sure that the customer wants to renew. I think what marketing can play in that in that bigger picture is to help that team scale their efforts, drive awareness help with the nurturing and provide that additional air cover to not just CS teams, but any any account team really that is responsible for the care and feeding of that customer. Um, and then you can think about even just sales, like you know, how do you support them from the, the transition period from being a prospect to being a customer and making sure that's a seamless engagement, right? So I think that's where you have sort of those swim lanes identified and then you can chunk it down into more specifics on Okay, who's on first that's going to be tackling, you know, building out this welcome kit? Who's going to be responsible for the branding, the look and feel? Who's going to, to help us develop? What are those top 10 takeaways? You know, maybe it's someone on the technical side that might be a solutions consultant. So it's not always just CS specifically, but they typically have maybe three or four teams that they're closely aligned with that is also helping them when there's an escalation or when there's a customer situation that needs to be addressed. So that's how I, th- I start to think about it off the bat. That's really interesting. And and how do you think about who needs to quarterback this? I mean, it, it sounds like at F5, it's 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 falling under marketing who's kind of running this. But like, do you, do you feel like marketing is always the right people to do this? It's definitely a partnership. So we, we actually started building this retention function relatively recently. But even I'll give you an example, just when we were at Adobe, this took a while to kind of build out this function over time, you know, uh, folks know that I, you know, I came from Marketo. We went through this acquisition at Adobe. This was a journey that happened over the, the past like two to three years. Um, and as we started to build our center of excellence on all things retention, retention marketing, you know, we found out early on that there were probably six or seven different teams that all had a stake in the ground related to customer onboarding, retention, etc. So if you think about just the product team. They want to get uh, roadmap discussions. They want to have a clear understanding of what um, what's the future direction of their their product strategy, um, and also they care about feedback. The CS team was also you know very interested in sort of adoption usage, making sure that the customer understands basics and being responsible for the renewal. There's the sales team, of course, that we talked a little bit about making sure that they want to buy, but also positioning them well for upsell and cross sell in the future. Then there's all the different support functions, whether it's the teams that are specifically focused on integrations, implementation, technical expertise and support, et cetera. And so we really just made the case around like, what part of the retention piece do we want to own? And we said marketing and helping that all these teams scale is I think ultimately where we want to um, have a foot in the ground, right? Like that's something that we can do to support. And that's sort of a new function and we could help piggyback and drive that coordination uh, for all these different solutions that that Adobe is running. And so I've taken that sort of that same playbook and applying it here at F5, you know, because we're also going through this SaaS transformation from a hardware company to software. 
And so as you're talking about that, a couple of things jumped out to me around potential drawbacks of having this be a team sport. I think the one side of it is when we talk about all these different teams that can have a, a stake in the ground and retention, I'm sure sometimes it can be kind of a too many cooks in the kitchen type situation. And then the other side of it too, for your customers is that often when they have these different people involved, it might be difficult for them to understand like, who do I go to for what? Like, does, do I still yeah. just have one point person? Like do it now the, the marketing person's here, which is, is cool, but what, what do I go to marketing for? Like, can you, can you maybe address those? Maybe, maybe we'll just take those separately. Like one, do you think when you have this be a team sport that it can get very quickly to a too many cooks in the kitchen situation, or have you not really seen that happen? I mean, it totally can be. I think this is where it goes back to as long as everyone's kind of clear on what their key priorities are and what their swim lanes are. And also having like an executive sponsor, like who is the one that is ultimately responsible for the success of this mission or this project? You know, in our case, the, the main stakeholder that we care about is our, our VP of customer success. Like we're actually, in a, and I tell my team this, like we're in service of making sure that person is successful and we are almost an extension of that, that team to make sure that we all have a stake in the ground. We all care that the customer has success, successful onboarding experience but also just make sure that they see value every time they buy a new product from us. So making it clear, like who is that, the primary leader that you're serving, I think is important. And that's also where it doesn't always have to be, you know, you know, your CMO that is the exec sponsor, right? Like this is how you start to build those strategic relationships and drive that alignment. Because if you do this well, it opens up the door for your team expanding into doing other things, you know, like cross sell upsell or, you know, taking on other, other remits, et cetera. And just to clarify, when you talk about you needing to serve that VP, is that internally at F5 or that's at your customer's uh, company? Internally at F5. Yeah. Making sure internally that we all kind of know who are the different teams, whether you live in support, CS, marketing, sales, like ultimately who is the key owner of that onboarding experience or, you know, the, the renewal side. And so the other potential challenge that I, I rose was when you've got all these different teams that are now potentially in contact with the customer, the customer might just have no idea who they go to for, for what, and that might be overwhelming. Uh, wh how do you think about that? I think that's where it goes back to making sure that the customer has a clear point of contact. So whether it's in your messaging, having it in your welcome kit, anytime that there is an engagement that they do with their account team, they know exactly who's that point of contact, who's a secondary um, in case that person leaves or they're out sick or whatnot, right? So this is, I think, goes back to just sort of account mapping and planning. Um, marketing is really there just to probably be, be more of that behind the scenes support. Unless, of course, if that, as, a, as that customer becomes an advocate, then that becomes a little bit of a different situation. You engage them around opportunities to tell their story, et cetera. And even if marketing is going to kind of be in the background, it's at the very least a good way for marketing to get their foot in the door and start those initial, even if you're not having conversations, just so they know who these marketing people are, who later on are maybe yeah. going to try to get them. Uh, so that way you're not this person they never spoke to. And then six months down the road, now now you're coming in with an ask, right? Is like having that yeah. initial, like at, at the very least, here's Kevin. He, you're not going to hear from him much for a little bit, but he he's part of this. I think that's a really interesting idea. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's it goes back to why do we think re retention starts at onboarding even? It's just we as customer marketers, if our expectation is to build a massive fan base of advocates, 
They're not going to become advocates unless they fully adopt it and leverage your, your solution. There is a time phase. So it's almost like you're investing earlier in that customer's career so that hopefully in the next six to 12 months or even three years from now, the output of that is you have all these raving fans that they can't stop talking about you. And so really interested in this welcome kit. Uh, and I, I always love to learn really tactically what these things look like. And I, I don't know if this is something that has, has been launched at F5 or it's still kind of a work in progress. So if you can either talk about what it does look like or, or is going to look like, but I, I just love to learn like, you know, what do the customers get up front? Like what kind of formatting is it in? What is the, you know, the, the drip campaign look like over, over the coming months? Like, what does that look like? So, you know, I mentioned retention can be like this multi-channel approach, right? So, the example of a welcome kit could be very basic, simple, 10-step guide to successfully implementing F5, right? So one focus of it is just introductions of who your account team managers are, who do you go to for support, for questions on just whatever it is. And then I think the other, the 10 steps is like literally just laying out sort of the key milestones. Like if you clearly want to say, we want to get F5 onboarded within the next two months, six months, whatever, have that clearly identified so we know what the goals are. Because I think, you know, everyone's busy. This isn't just their primary job. They might be implementing 10 other solutions if you're an engineer or something. Plus, you have other expectations internally on just keeping the lights on. And so part of the onboarding experience within the welcome kit is setting clear milestones, deadlines, making sure that it's not just accountability on the F5 support team, but also on the customer. So you have clear expectations and what needs to be accomplished over the next couple of weeks and also kind of addressing sort of the the gaps in between. So if there is like, you know, something something happens where, you know, that customer is not available or they can't support this initiative and the project goes on pause, that's also an indication that the health of the client might be at jeopardy too. So you want to kind of address those things early on in the process to kind of already know what is that game plan and, and make sure that you allocate the right resourcing and time you know, whether it takes a, it's a three month project or six months or even a year, depending on how big of an initiative it is. And then who also are sort of the secondary points of contact within the customer account? I think sometimes that's a key thing where we only have one key stakeholder. And if that person leaves, then everything else is at jeopardy. So how do you have sort of like identified maybe three to five other champions that can also be, have that sort of line of sight? And it's not just the end user. It's also who's that executive that's overseeing the project, who's ultimately the budget owner. Usually it's sort of that key level decision maker, maybe at a director or senior director level, making sure you keep them in the loop as far as this whole process. And so that would be sort of kind of address and sort of this, this welcome kit, as well as just kind of a series of onboarding conversations. And then it creates sort of that ducktail into, you know, when the team's having a executive business review, like really addressing, doing like a post-mortem, a look back, you know, six months ago, we kicked this off. Did we achieve everything that we set out to do? Were there areas of gaps or, or opportunity for improvement? Um, so that way, when they're actually going into the renewal conversation, you know, they're actually set up to succeed and they, and they want to continue working with you too. And this might be getting too into the weeds here, but I'm interested in this kind of stuff. When, when you talk about some of these resources around key milestones we're trying to get to to, to make you successful, are things like that happening as conversations with the CSMs, are they coming in, you know, texting and email, or are you sending them as PDF or the videos? Like what, what kind of formats do you typically find work with these things? You know, for an onboarding welcome kit, you could do something down and dirty and it could just literally be a PDF. 
Um, I've also seen where we've done like microsites. So maybe a dedicated page, you know, it says, John Smith, this is your onboarding kit, your resources go here, bookmark this page. You know, they can go to all, it has all the links and everything just packaged in one location. So that's kind of another way. Video tips and tools, I think are also really great. Um, one thing that we did um, at Marketo and also at Adobe is we actually took our best advocates, the ones that we called our Adobe champions. And we actually had said, you know, hey, what are some of the gaps that, we, that you have noticed when, your own, when you went through an onboarding experience with Marketo? You know, could you create sort of a tool tip, you know, maybe a two minute video to articulate something to a new customer on things that they should learn? And we took that content, we filmed it at our user conference, we turned that into a series. That became sort of our jumpstart series that was, I think about 10 emails long. And instead of hearing from Adobe, they would hear directly from a customer that has successfully implemented, they've done what that customer is expecting, and they show them over a series of 10 episodes, essentially. And then we also you know, re reposition that same content in community becomes discussion threads, becomes part of the onboard experience. We also turn that into a webinar series. So we're basically repurposing the content in different places, helping to meet the customer ultimately where they're at. And then also when they're actually in the platform. So if you're in a SaaS, SaaS company, whatever their onboard experience is and they go into a product, you know, we provide tool tips and resources. So it might be like pop-ups, like, hey, if they're on this, hovering on this screenshot or something, you know, would you like to see a guide that shows you step-by-step step what to do? So it, it creates and helps reinforce the action versus just relying on one channel or one thing or the CSM to do everything for them. So first of all, I love this idea of a video series on onboarding success from your customers. Our customers want to hear from their peers way more than they want to hear from us. This is such a cool way to elevate your customers as the experts and provide an incredibly valuable resource to your new customers to set them up for success. I bet it also helped the Marketo team understand key areas of the onboarding experience that they either needed to include or double down on. And one other thing I love that Kevin's talking about here with the welcome kit at F5 is the interactive piece. Unfortunately, sometimes PDFs are just the easiest thing to do and often cases they're fine. But custom landing pages can allow you to see exactly how customers are engaging with your content and what's providing value. Especially for something as important as onboarding, it's key to have that visibility. These welcome kits that they're developing in F5 are such a great example of how this is a team sport. They're relying on the expertise of sales and CS to get these foundations, and then they're working with marketing, and it sounds like the web team, to develop these resources. Truly everyone is having a hand here in helping set their customers up for success. So the last thing I want to talk about that you're doing at F5 before we get into some of our wrap-up stuff, you and I had talked about, I think is really interesting, is this customer marketing index that you're developing. Because it can be very often be, you know, we can have an overall retention number, uh, which, which can be great, but a lot of times we miss some nuance. We don't see how different teams are performing. So how do you think about measuring this kind of stuff and these different teams being involved? So essentially the, the customer engagement index, it's a, it's a metric that we looked at is sort of understanding sort of the health of the customer at that period of time within their journey. So I'll give you an example. We're building it sort of like this new dashboard that is focused on um, a, business a business that is specifically around our SaaS offerings. And so we want to be able to know what is that runway from, you know, once they become a client all the way to the time that they're going through the renewal and then becoming an advocate. And so almost like a health score to some degree, we have certain levers around 
red, yellow, green, but we also look at it from an engagement standpoint. So maybe they're engaged in our email series, maybe they're engaged in you know, completing an NPS survey or other type of touch points. All this is really just kind of laddering up into creating sort of a, an index score that gives us a better you know, point in time idea of where that customer is at and where there could be some potential things that we could then create sort of um, a recommendation or like how, what is that next engagement? We're also kind of building out sort of this, you guys may have heard this like customer 360. Um, a 360 is really to enable teams with the right insights and data, whether you're, you're engaging them for renewal or you're talking to them about an upsell or support escalation, enabling them, your account teams with the right information on how to best engage that customer so that you're not going into that conversation completely blind. And so the index is meant to kind of help and related to that 360, provide that additional intelligence. And so we're looking at things like NPS being part of it. We're looking at what's also called a customer effort score. So that kind of measures um, a customer satisfaction, not just with the product service and quality, but also their engagements with their support team, with their reps. So it bleeds into a little bit of uh, CSET and some other things, but it's meant to be sort of an aggregate of, of all these little different data points that we can start to measure sort of the health of engagement really of, of your customer. So this is one of those situations where I almost regret asking that question because now I have like a million other follow-up questions. And I feel like it, we could probably do a whole episode just on this engagement index that you're, you're working on. But one, one obvious question that comes to my mind with this is how do you think about the difference between the engagement index and just an overall customer health score? Like when would you use one or how are you envisioning using one over the other? So typically customer health score is usually something, it's a metric that a CS team would care about. You know, if they're looking at just satisfaction in that moment in time related to maybe an escalation or going into a renewal conversation. Um, so it, sometimes it could be tactical, but um, I think an index can be something that bleeds into multiple different metrics potentially. So if you think about sort of like an aggregate for a stage from a you know, the usage um, to renewal to you know, see value, value realization. This is where the index could provide a little bit more color and context. And it could even just be, you know, health score usually is related to like account management, CS teams that have managed services, managed accounts that they're supporting. Index could be something that is a little bit more broader. So it could be talking about your digital customers, maybe the customers that don't have a rep that they engage with, could also look at other kind of data points there. And so it's meant to be a little bit more broad you know, there's a place and time for each thing, but if, if teams want to go a little bit more granular, health score could be a little bit different um, related to CS, and then index could be a, a metric that other teams could also look at from support and other data points. Well, I'll, I'll keep my other questions on this in my back pocket. Maybe we'll have a part two episode where we just talk about this, this engagement index. But before we get to our wrap-up question, anything around this topic of retention and being a team sport that we haven't touched on that you feel like would be good for the listeners to know? How you think about retention isn't only just that onboarding. I think it's an ongoing process. So I, I gave the example of, you know, if you're a, a customer of a service that you're on a multi-year agreement, if you had to think about your own experience working with that company or that vendor, when would you have liked a check-in or a conversation about, are you seeing value from your product? You know, are you getting your money's worth ultimately, I think is the main concern and question. So it doesn't always have to be just so linear where it's just, you know, onboarding and renewal only. 
I think there's moments in time and, and that's where you can start to lean on the other types of programs that we as customer marketers know very well, right? Like, you know, involving a customer in a, a user group or doing a customer story or a speaking event, these ultimately create sort of those other meaningful engagements that happen, you know, in between that onboarding and renewal cycle. And so the more touch points and more stickiness that I like to think of it as, I think the likelihood that the customer is happy and satisfied continues um, going in the future. So that's just another thing I would I would call out. Yeah. And so the, the wrap-up question I asked everybody, for the folks at home listening, if they can take one step in the right direction to be more customer-centric, what's, what's that one thing that you can tell them to focus on? You know, tactically, I would say feedback. I think feedback is so important that sometimes we don't do enough of it. And if you're building out a program or even just onboarding, since we talked a lot about it, even before you build out whatever that journey or that campaign could be, actually ask your customers, like, what would you have liked to see as part of your onboarding and build the program based on that persona, based on that audience? You know, the welcome kit came from that idea, honestly. You know, what would be that, you know, those 10 steps that you would like to see if you had to go back and do this or train like your, your counterparts in the, in, in the future? Yeah, I, I love that because I think you can get so much material from that. I think you can potentially get, you know, some of these fun video series that you're talking about, but it also just is going to help you make better onboarding experiences, like identify, you know, things that maybe later on are going to you know be red flags when it comes to retention. Um, it just ultimately, like, we just don't know these things un unless we ask and it can be really easy to ask, right? I mean, you can just have your CS team start working into these conversations. You can set up a very quick Google form or survey monkey or something like that. Like it doesn't have to be this big lift. Like people can go and do this today. Uh, so I, I love that advice. Ke Kevin, this has been great. I, I think that, like I said, your retention has been on people's mind for the last little bit. I, I hope it continues to be on, on people's mind. And uh, you've definitely convinced me that this needs to be more of a team sport, that those those poor CS folks, it shouldn't all fall on their uh, very uh, weighed down shoulders. Uh, so th this was great. And thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, no, thanks again, Dan, for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Well, good news, CS. You're getting some help, at least if Kevin has his way. Kevin and I spend a lot of time talking about onboarding, I think both because it's a great leading indicator for retention, as well as the perfect example of how different teams can come together to help with retention. Their welcome kit and their clearly defined milestones are an incredible way to get customers excited right from the beginning and lay out an obvious path for success with using F5. But to be clear, bringing multiple teams together to help with retention can also create issues. That's why Kevin believes it's important to create clear roles for everyone involved and let people play to their strengths. Retention is too important to leave only to the already overburdened CS team. They need the help of their colleagues who can bring different skill sets to the table. The success of our customers depends on us working as a team to figure this out. This has been the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influtive. I've been your host, Dan Kalmar. Until next time, maybe buy something for your favorite CSM. They've been shouldering the retention burden for far too long.